0: Okay, why you should do something is important, correct? To understand why that you're being asked to do something it is important if you're going to get people to do it. When you, when you talk to someone about becoming a Christian, or if you're thinking about becoming a Christian today, you need to know why. I mean, what's, what, what difference is it going to make? And, you know, young people, when you get to—or you're in college or in graduate school and you want to quit— and, and you're told you need to stay in, understanding the why you need to stay with it is important. Why you need to save money or, or why if you're in a marriage today, if there's anything you can do to make it work, why do you need to save it? The why, is, the why is the first fundamental step in getting people to do things. But the second part of this that we leave out sometimes is the how do you do it? I mean, okay, I need to become a Christian. I need to do these things. But how do... I pull this off. Well, this morning we're looking at, uh, we're in our fourth sermon on this, from the sermon series, Forgiveness Factor. And we're going to look at how do we forgive those who hurt us. We looked a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, at why we are supposed to forgive people. Today we're going to look at how do we pull this very difficult but important thing off. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 5 and Romans 12 are going to be two passages we will be in, Matthew 5. Romans 12. If you don't have your Bible, no problem. We'll have the scriptures on the screen. Let's start with a quick review why we should forgive people. If you were here two weeks ago, you know I spent the the whole sermon on this, so this is going to be a very quick review. You can go back online and listen to that sermon, or or you can call us. We'll give you the scriptures to back this. Let me give you the three reminders why you need to forgive people. Number one, to not forgive ruins you in God. You're going to make a decision that you've been hurt and that you're not going to forgive other people you're justified in that and you may be humanly justified and, and certainly justified in feeling that hurt but if you're going to not forgive it's going to ruin you and God secondly it'll ruin your prayer life you say I'm not going to forgive okay just don't pray just don't pray because you're not going to be effective in your prayers prayer's about a relationship with God and if your relationship with God's upside down your prayer life's going to be and thirdly it ruins you it ruins you. Listen, if you're a Christ follower today, when you're upside down with God and your prayer life is ineffective, uh, you, you're, your life's going to be a mess. Someone said, and this is so good, the devil loves bitter Christians. You might put that in your notes. The devil loves bitter Christians because they're ineffective. In fact, they're effective for him. You need to forgive For you, okay? Now, let's do this number two. Let's define what does forgiveness mean. What does it mean when we say we forgive? And we're going to spend the whole sermon kind of uh, fleshing that out. Matthew 6, 14, it says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Literally, to forgive means to, it's very simple. It's very difficult, but it's simple. It means to send something away. It means to dismiss it. Now, again, we're going to flesh out what that means, how we do that, how it looks like, what it looks like. But it means to send something away and dismiss it. I want to share with you a true story. This true story happened in Poland two years ago. There was a man named Marek who was dating a woman named Anna. Anna was a dentist. This is a true story. They're dating, and Marek decides to dump Anna for another woman. So they're dating it, it's, so it's legal, but, you know, it's never good, is it, in the dating world to be dumped for someone else, whether it's legal or not. And two weeks later, this idiot, I'm sorry, but that's the only way I can do it, he gets a toothache. And guess he, who he goes to, to the dentist. Men, are you writing this down? He goes back to Anna, to the dentist. Because she was his ex-girlfriend Certainly she's forgiven him two weeks later And he says my tooth is hurting Can you do something? She says I sure can But I'm going to have to put you under When Mark wakes up an hour later He has no teeth He is bald in the mouth He has no teeth in his head of course, she's in trouble with the, the, the medical people in Poland. His, his current girlfriend broke up with him because she didn't want to be dating a 40-year-old guy who had no teeth. So, one, that's not forgiveness. Two, men, if you dump her for another one and she's a dentist, do not go back to her ever again. Amen? Okay, that's not forgiveness. That's not sending it away. How do we forgive? How do we forgive? How do we send it away? How do we dismiss it? What does that mean? Because that, that, I'm afraid we have wrong ideas. One of the reasons we have a hard time forgiving is we don't really understand it and how to do it. Let me give you, so I'm going to give you six things this morning from the Bible that kind of lay this out. Here's the first thing. Be honest about your hurt and situation. We, we tend to exaggerate our hurts, our men, we downplay it. Ah, that didn't really bother me. Oh, that's not a big deal. Of course, we're kicking It It is a big deal. We're really upset about it. And so we bury it and we become depressed. We become angry. And we take it out on everybody else who hasn't hurt us. Write these down because I'm going to jump around to some passages. First, 2 Timothy 4, verse 14 and 15. Listen to what Paul says. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. And the Lord will repay him for what he has done. In verse 15, he says, You too should be on your guard against this guy because he strongly opposed his message. Now, there's three Alexanders mentioned in the New Testament. There's one in the book of Acts. There's one over in First Timothy. And then this guy here. We don't know if it's one of these, you know, if this Timothy is one of these other two guys. Uh, Alexander, I mean, and Alexander was a very common name in the biblical era, so it's hard to, to tell who this guy was, but we know he was a coppersmith, a metalworker. And what Paul was saying here is that he said, Alexander, and many of you can relate to this, this person hurt me deeply. This person put me on a display. And, and Paul, Paul wasn't making this up. This person embarrassed me. This person lied about me. Not only did they lie about me and slander me, but they, they put it on Facebook. Of course, not in Paul's day. I'm, I'm bringing it to modern era. They, they put pictures of me somewhere. They told people things about me that weren't true. That's what Paul said. They hurt me. And Paul said, and Paul said look, God's going to take care of this guy. But I want you to know he hurt me. And you need to be careful, too, because he'll hurt you also. Here's what happens when you're honest about your hurts. One of two things. One, you begin to unfold it and you realize maybe you weren't really hurt by that person. You sit down with a a counselor, a pastor, a good friend, and you begin to unpack it. And you realize you've been mad at somebody for three, five, six, ten years because of what someone else said about them. You've never even talked to that person. And you're bitter and you're angry towards them. Or maybe you unpack it, and, you, and you're honest, and you say, you know, the truth is, I've just been a baby. I've got my feelings hurt, and I shouldn't have got my feelings hurt. But here's the second thing that happens. When you begin to unpack it, you realize, yeah, man, I've been hurt bad. I don't know how many people we'll have in this room right now in, in, in the early service combined, 750 to 800 people. And, and here's what statistics tell us: that that's, this is almost certain that there's people in this room right now, certainly been in the building today, who have been victims of incest, who have been sexually assaulted, who've had a husband or wife cheat on you, who've had a boyfriend or girlfriend cheat on you. And listen, and somebody somebody can downplay that to you, but they're, they're, they've got mental problems. That hurts. There's people in this room today that maybe someone you love was murdered by someone. That someone has slandered you. They have hurt your business. They've hurt your name. They've hurt your reputation. And you're not going to help yourself move forward by denying it, by pushing it down, by trying to man up against it. You need to be honest about your hurt to yourself, and probably to some friends and people who love you. Number one, be honest. Here's number two, don't strike back. What does it mean to forgive? How do we forgive? How do we dismiss it? How do we send it away? We're honest about it. And number two, we don't strike back. In Jesus' day, well, probably when he was about 12, there was a historian named Livy who died... Lavi was was alive a little while during jesus's lifetime Livy said there was literally a, a law in the roman books that if a person owed you money and did not pay you back you could go and twist their head and neck until blood ran out of their nose how many of you can picture someone right now that that would be cool to see that happen to in the first service i'm telling you they were in complete denial i said has anybody ever hurt you So let's don't lie to each other this morning, okay? I don't know. Bill, Dr. Tanner gave me permission to tell this story about Bill Roundtree. Bill Roundtree's sitting behind Dr. Tanner. Uh, Several years ago, Bill Roundtree, his wife doesn't even know this, he got bit by a possum. He was out in the woods, and uh, he tried to call it to him, and the possum bit him. And he began to have weird symptoms. He was drooling. He was howling at the moon, and Carla made him sleep in the garage. So finally, he goes to Dr. Tanner. And Dr. Tanner is a very, very good doctor, and he does his blood work. He says, Bill, you have rabies. Let me tell you what you need to do. Bill gets out a piece of paper and begins to write real fast. He's writing faster, and Bill's talking. Bill said, finally Dr. Tanner says, What are you writing? He said, I'm writing the names of people I'm fixing to go bite. <laughs> I'm not sure that's exactly ha- true, but many of us know people we would like to bite. What does it mean to forgive? It doesn't mean you're dumb. We're going to see in a moment some other things that means that you don't do, but it means that you don't strike back. In Romans 12, verse 17, look what it says. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Verse 19. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge I will repay, says the Lord. Now listen, this is not talking about a country defending itself. It's not talking about if a burglar breaks in your house, that you just let them have their way, or someone's hurting your wife or your kids, that you don't defend them. If someone's lying about you, you may have to say, hey, that's not true. That's not what it's talking about. What it's saying is that you don't take retaliatory revenge, that you don't strike back, you don't go punch for punch, words for words with someone who's damaged you, Or hurt you. That is a huge part of forgiveness. It's being honest about it, but it's saying, I'm not, part of this dismissing it is, I'm not gonna strike back. Doesn't mean the pain's gonna go away. Really important. Doesn't mean that you're gonna cease to feel that hurt that they put on you. But it means you're going to make a choice. And all these are choices. See, we, we do we do forgiveness on feeling. This isn't any of this about feeling. But I'm going to choose not to strike back. Here's the third thing. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Now, this is so important. What's reconciliation? Reconciliation are two people who are at odds that are buddies again, that everything comes back together and that everything is wonderful. And that's always the ideal but it takes two. In Romans 12, 18, listen to what it says. If it is possible, it's not going to always be possible. As far as it depends on who? On you, live at peace with everyone. Folks, l- l- listen to this. <clears throat> Forgiveness is a one-way street. It's, it's about all about you. Reconciliation is a two-way road. It's, it takes two people to be reconciled. In other words... <sighs> Until that other person who's really hurt you is willing to come to you and say, I'm sorry, I messed up, I want to do whatever we can to bring it back together, reconciliation is not possible. It takes two people. And and here's another thing. Reconciliation is not always smart. Not full reconciliation. If If you're a boss and you have an employee who's who's a bad employee and I mean you talk to them and you talk to them and you talk to them and you talk to them you know eventually you would be wise to fire them and let them go and to never hire them again you don't strike back you're not hateful towards them but you let them go if you're dating somebody listen to me if you're dating somebody dating shouldn't be a lot of work if you're having if dating's hard work break up let marriage be the hard work amen old people but dating should not be, oh, we're just, we're working, working, working to make this work. Well, quit. And you're dating somebody who's a creep? Well, he's pushed me a few times. Or she's cheated on me a couple of times. Man, love them, but break up with them. And don't date them again. Oh, I've changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can change once or twice. Amen. I don't want to hear 84 times. I'm coming above change. Yeah, well, go change with someone else. Amen? Reconciliation and forgiveness are two different things, and forgiveness is not stupid. It is not, it, forgiveness is not dumb. This really helped me as a young person to understand that, that I didn't have to be friends with and buddies with people to forgive them. We, do, we believe at this church that a marriage, y'all do everything you can to make a marriage work, everything you can. But listen, if you're married to somebody who has habitually cheated on you or they, they are abusive to you and it's gone on and on and on, it, There's some point, biblically, you've got to cut it and move on. Reconciliation is not forgiveness. It's okay to hate what someone's done. You're just making a choice not to hate them. It's okay to say, I can't be your friend, at least for a long, long time. But I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. But I can't hang around you because of what you have continually done to me. That's not what forgiveness is. Probably the most quoted thing I said two weeks ago was from Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley said, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to like them. Isn't that good? I mean, I don't have to hang around you. You don't have to hang around me. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Now, you enjoyed that. That's good and all. Now it starts to get tough. Love them. Number four, how do I forgive the jerks in my world? I love them. Matthew 5, 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is this is the truth. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees, a group of the Pharisees, religious leaders, had actually twisted passage teaching from Leviticus chapter 18 in the book of Numbers where it says, love your enemies. It never says and hate your neighbors. It just says, love your enemies. So here's what they deduced. Love your enemy doesn't say anything, uh, love your neighbor doesn't say anything about your enemy. So you can hate people who, uh, who are not like you. That's never what the scripture says. And verse 44 on, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, this is godly behavior. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? You're not even better than the tax collectors who were considered traitors and cheats. And if you're Greek, if you're friendly only to your brothers, what are you doing more than a pagan, someone who not know God? Love those people. Now, this is very important, too. Remember, the New Testament was written in Greek. And the Greeks had four words for our one word, love. When we say, I love my dog, I love ice cream, and I love football, we use the same word, hopefully with different meanings. They had four words for love. One word was a word for sex. And it's not used in the New Testament. Sex is good in God's, when it's in God's boundaries, but this word's not used in the Bible. There was a word for family love, which is found a few times. There's a word for brotherly love, which is found several times, a warm affectionate love. And then the last word is the word used here. It's the word agape. And the word agape is used the most of of the word for love in the New Testament. It literally means to choose to love people. It it literally means to choose to be kind and nice. This is Christ-like behavior. Someone has hurt you, you do not have to be their buddy. You do not have to hang around them, continue to date them, be involved in their life, employ them. You may have to tell them you can't be friends, at least for a long, long time. But God says to be kind and nice to that person. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless And do not curse. Folks, in most ancient religions, they had curses that they would call on their gods to bring down on your head. Jesus says, look, bless them. The the word bless there is the word eulogy. At a funeral, we eulogize a person. That means we speak well of. Jesus says, listen, don't curse them, bless them. You're going, you don't know that person. How can I say anything good about them? If they're bald, say, man, their head shines nicely. Their right ear is attractive. They wear good shoes, whatever it is, sometimes being the nicest thing you can do is just keep your mouth zipped. But God says, "Bless, don't curse." And then verse 20 and 21, "On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, if thirsty, give him something to drink, and doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. How many of you know somebody'd like to put some burning coals on that head? OK? This was actually in ancient Egypt there was a practice when you were when you were sorry for something you had done, the way you treated somebody, an act of contrition is you would put a pan on your head with coals in it and you would walk around that way for a while. That was the way you were showing and you were sorry and you were contrite. In our language today, there was an old saying, when a person comes to you with their their hat in their hand, that was kind of like the saying the same thing. They were humble, they were needy. What God's saying, listen, somebody's been hateful to you, The best way to get them back, and you'll freak them out, and and, and you're really getting them, is that instead of hating them and punching them or verbally punching them, is that you're kind to them and you're nice to them. You're not a hypocrite. You're not being a fake, but you're going to make a choice regardless of how I feel. I'm going to be nice to that person. Nice Three ways, nice to their face, behind their back, and in your heart. See, a hypocrite can be nice to your face. They can't be behind your back, right? And so you can be nice to someone's face, not a phony, but you can be nice to their face. Behind their back, at least you can learn to keep your mouth quiet unless you absolutely have to say something. But it's in our heart where we struggle. And, and what how, how you get that right in your heart is you've got to change your mental picture of that person. Many of us have a person right now and we've got their picture in our head and they have a noose around their neck don't they and they're fixing to jump off the gallows and what God says listen loving them and forgiving them means I'm not going to strike back I may not ever be their friend or close to them but in my heart to behind their back and to their face I'm going to be nice let me get let me tell you three things here's what we do this isn't original with me but it's really good what we do is we nurse it rehearse it and curse it don't we we nurse it. We sit around and go, man, they hurt me. They hurt me. They hurt me. We'll even talk to other people about it. We rehearse it. We play it over in our head over and over again what that person did and how we would respond if we ever got the chance again. And we curse it in our hearts and in our minds. God said, don't do those things. Man, this is a process. This is something. That's going to it's, a life. it's a lifetime thing. Making a choice to love people and be kind and nice. Here's number five: pray, pray, and pray some more. In Matthew five forty four. Jesus says, "But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those look who persecute you, are trying to hunt you down, are trying to jack your life up." Florida State University did a did a study several years ago about prayer and forgiveness. Here's what they found, not not, not surprising at all. They found this. When you pray for people, now husbands and wives, think about this. When you pray for people, your heart is softer towards them. You're willing to forgive them easier. You're willing to give them a second chance. So what God says here is when you pray for people, it begins to change them and you, at least you. Well, how do you pray for an enemy? Pray that they'll become a Christian. Listen, the reason a lot of people act like stinkers is they belong to the devil. They, they may go to church and be religious. But if you continually treat people bad, you've got a God problem. Pray that person will be saved. Secondly, pray they'll get right with God. Maybe they are a Christian. They're just messed up. Pray they'll get right with God. Here's the hard thing here. Ask God to bless them. Ugh. And pray those other two. You go, okay, now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'll ask God to bless that person. I just won't mean it. That's okay. Tell God that. Say, God, I want you to bless person X. I don't mean this. God, help me to mean it. Pray for them and pray for yourself. Listen, one thing you need to do and I need to do, man, is we need to ask God to forgive them through us. We've got to ask God to help us to forgive. Someone said the sharpest weapon you have is prayer. That's pretty good, isn't it? You pray and you pray and you pray. Here's the last thing, you trust it all to God. You notice I didn't say trust them to God. That's part of the equation but to trust to trust the whole ball of wax to God. Romans 12 19. Don't take revenge friends but leave room for God's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge I will repay says the Lord. Folks it's almost implied there, listen to this, that if you and I decide to take revenge, we nudge God out of the picture. Don't nudge God out of the picture. Let God deal with them in the situation. Back in 2 Timothy 4:14, 4, what Paul says, listen when he says, "The Lord will repay him for what He has done." Here's what Paul knew. Paul, Paul knew, listen, when someone has genuinely done you wrong. If you'll let him, God will deal with that person. And in verse 17, Paul's kind of summing this up, and he says, Look, God stood at my side. He gave me strength. Everybody else had abandoned him. And through me, the message was fully proclaimed, and everyone got a chance to hear the gospel. Trust that person to God. Again, this is a process. these are things that you, you may feel great about this today and then tomorrow you see them or the devil brings it back to your mind and you're, you, you're hating all over again. This is a process. It's a process. Turn them over to God. Let God deal with them. If they need to be dealt with, God will do it if you and I don't mess it up. Secondly, trust yourself to God. See, here's what I worry about is, okay, that person's saying this and they're doing these things and they're going to hurt me or my family or the church. Or they're going to hurt you and your business and your family. And, and so you, you go, I, I, need to, I need to find out and I need to make phone calls and, and then I need to twist their head till their nose bleeds and then they'll stop. The problem is, is you just can't chase people around all the time to know what they're saying about you. I mean, you're going to bug their cell phone. They got a home line. You're going to bug their car. You're going to bug where they go to work or where they go to school, their bathroom. You, I mean, how are you going to monitor? You can't. See, that's the problem. You can't. So you've got to say, God, I'm afraid they're, they're going to continue to hurt me, God, but I'm going to trust me with you. Trust God. Neil Anderson is a Christian writer and speaker. And Man, this is such a great statement he made. He said, you've got to live with the consequences of other people's mistakes. You have to to live with the consequences of other people's hate and sin on your life. You have to. He said, the choice that you and I have to make, are we going to live with it and let it ruin us? And ruin our relationship with God and destroy us? Are we going to forgive and let God have it and choose to live with those consequences in freedom? And I challenge you to choose forgiveness. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christ follower, I want to challenge you to choose a life of forgiveness starting today starting now if you're not a Christian where you're seated would you just pray with me and just say Jesus I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness I accept that you're God's son and that you died and and rose for me Jesus Christ Come into my heart this morning. And today, I give you my life. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand in a second. Give you a chance to respond to what you've heard. Maybe you ask Christ in your heart. Are you ready to do it? When we stand, I want to encourage you to come and talk to a minister. Make that decision solid today. Maybe you'd like to join the church. One way you can join is when we stand, you can come. Be a minister down here. We'll help you join. Come and join us today. You need a good church family. All of us here who are Christians, whether it's where you're standing or at the altar or praying with a minister, we need to choose forgiveness. If for nobody else, for us. Let's stand. Let's make the right choices.